Welcome back to D3 Glory Days on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. I'm Noah Drotti, joined by Stu Neustadt. As always, we are happy to bring you another long-form interview-style podcast this week before we get into that. If you'd like to support this podcast, we'd really appreciate it. You can do so by following us on social media, liking and subscribing to this podcast wherever you're listening to it, sharing it with a friend. Or you can check out our website, www.d3glorydays.com. Got some cool new stuff on there. We've got some new articles up on the site. If you want to go and check those out, read them. There's also a link to our merch store on the website where you can pick up a D3 Glory Days coffee mug or a D3 Glory Days t-shirt. We'd really appreciate it. I'm going to stop now and invite my buddy Stu on here to tell you about today's interview. It was a good one. Today, we're joined by seven-time national champion with seven other All-American performances, as well as four conference titles in cross-country. We know we're gearing up for the postseason in cross-country, so we're trying to bring you someone who shows you how to get it done in October. David Cooper was a Mount Union grad who only had about two years worth of running experience before he went to college. He translated his wrestling performance onto the track and used his experience from the army to prepare him for what college had in store for him. One of his biggest defeats came as a sophomore when he finished 169th in the nation during cross country, which shaped the rest of his career. He goes into how important his team was in their support, as well as how they push each other in practice every day inspirational talk as he goes into the why behind the running and gives everyone some advice for this postseason. He also had a brief career as a pro runner and goes into kind of what if he had an opportunity to join a group as well. So we hope you enjoy David Cooper from Mount Union. Yeah, this was a fun conversation. David is a super competitive guy with a with a sharp memory. So was really fun walking down memory lane with him. We're going to get to that episode right now. Stu and I will catch up with you on the other side of it. Thanks for tuning in again. And here's to the glory days. All right. Welcome back to D3 glory days. As we head into the postseason, we wanted to bring you all someone who knows what it takes to win a conference title. And we set out and found a four-time conference champion. He's done way more than that, but we'll start with that highlight. We're bringing on the 2014 Coaches Association Hall of Fame inductee, Mount Union graduate, David Cooper. David, welcome to D3 Glory Days. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to hear what it took to win four OAC titles as people who know about the OAC knows it's a pretty strong conference. And so it takes some ability and talent to do that. But before we figure out where that came from, take us through your high school days as a senior growing up around Cleveland and how you found Mount Union and the type of runner that you were back then. Yeah, so it's going back a little bit. Actually, I was a guy that only ran two years in high school. Uh, So I ran my junior year and uh, my senior year. And really, I was a wrestler prior to that. And I got injured uh, pretty severely as a sophomore. And so that's kind of what took me, you know, I always ran to cut weight and turned out I was pretty good at it. And so my recruitment started pretty late. I started getting a lot of recruiting letters my senior year after a pretty successful, you know, junior campaign. But uh, Coach Homan found me at a local race, uh, came out and introduced himself and uh, asked me to check out the campus. And so was doing other visits. I was also in the Army at the time. And so I was you know, going to be part of the, the WCAP, which is the World Class Athlete Program through the military. And then Mount Union happened. And pretty much from the first time I was on campus and, and until you know today, I've been hooked on that place. It's just always felt like home. So was a really easy decision once I kind of got the initial recruiting visits out of the way. As far as what kind of runner I was, I was really lucky, I think, in high school. There's a gentleman by the name of Dennis Coli, uh, who was our our high school track coach. And Dennis was just, in my opinion, probably one of the, you know, more progressive kind of head of the game distance coaches in the greater Cleveland area. 
I, I think I ran in the presidential fitness test in like the sixth grade. He was my sixth grade gym coach. And uh, I think I ran like a five. 22 mile or something like that in the sixth grade and he hounded me to come out you know for for track and cross country and when I got hurt you know I ended up trying out and and then the rest just kind of fell into place I was a high 15s you know cross country guy like 1540s you know somewhere in there was my PR in high school uh, mile and two mile guy you wouldn't know it if you looked at me because I'm not very tall but I high jumped a little bit as well I think I got over like six, two or six, three, a couple of times. So that's kind of how high school uh, happened. And then, and then uh, obviously going and running for coach Holman and, and the program at Mount Union was, you know, was, was just a massive experience and just a completely different level of running, you know, and competing than what I saw in high school. You mentioned you were a wrestler before you, you know, committed to running full time. And I feel like a, there, I've met a number of runners who started in wrestling. I think a lot of people would not view those two sports as being very similar. But what were some of the crossovers in your mind? For me, it was because I was always an undersized kid. I played football in junior high and, and you know, I, I was a starter, but I was always, you know, on the smaller side when I got to a division one high school football was out of the question. And, you know, coaches turned me on to wrestling because it was literally, you know, it's just you out there and somebody that weighs the same weight. And so, you know, all of, you know, the competitive advantage is to, you know, who, who's trained better and who wants it more. I think the transition to my style for people that raced against me, I very much went into, you know, my races almost like a fighter. You know, I wasn't, I don't think I had a lot of friends on opposing teams during my days of competition. You know, I almost went into most race days pretty angry and, and um, you know, with a, with a pretty intense chip on my shoulder. I think a lot of that is just, you know, when you're wrestling and boxing and doing all of the, you know, kind of those combat type sports, it, it puts you in that frame of mind. And that just carried over for me, um, you know, as a runner. And it's, it's also this interesting kind of mix of it's an individual sport, but it's also a team sport, just, you know, kind of like, you know, track and cross country can, you know, tend to be the same way. And so I think the parallels between, you know, again, just kind of being out there, you know, when you're competing, it's, 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 it's you versus kind of, you know, everybody. And, and then, you know, that team component comes in, but there's a lot of similarities in my mind, you know, between wrestling and, and running, because again, it's, everybody's running the same distance under the same conditions, wrestling, you're, you know, everybody's in the same weight class, you know, whatever. So. I'm curious about coach John Homan. He's a legendary coach on the conference level at the OAC, but also on the national level as well with uh, what he, you know, turned Mount Union into curious what those first conversations were like with him. You said after that, you were kind of hooked on Mount Union, but what was it about coach Homan that brought you in and made you realize that Mount Union was the place for you? You know, it was all about the program. Um, you know, before Mount Union was a football school, it was it was kind of known as a track school. And a lot of that was off the legacy that, you know, that Coach Holman was building. And so, you know, when when he recruited me, it was it was what what's your goal? And it's going to sound really funny, but I wanted, you know, my goal when I started at Mount Union was to become an All-American. And uh, when we sat down and we talked about that. It was because in my high school, if you were all state in a revenue sport at Parma Senior High School, if you were all state in a revenue sport like basketball or football or whatever, you got this really nice picture in the Hall of Fame. But if you were in a, a sport like track and field or swimming, you know, they were like, well, you have to be an All-American in college, you know, for that to happen. And so, believe it or not, it was like I had this, I was jaded that I was an all-state athlete. And I didn't get into the Hall of Fame or I didn't have my picture up, um, as funny as that sounds. And so when John and I first started kind of talking about, you know, what the goals were that was there. Um, and then rapidly, you know, by the end of my freshman year, I came in in a split semester. So I started in the, you know, January, you know, time frame because I was, I was just getting out of the army in the fall. So I, I missed the first semester. And so after the first year, we sat down and we said, okay, you know, we've got a couple of all American titles under our belt here. What, you know, what do we do to kind of reassess? And so, you know, I used to go up to John Coach Homan's office uh, on Tuesday nights after intervals when we would sit in there and just kind of discuss my workout, what I had run in the prior weeks and where I was tracking. And, you know, we just constantly set goals almost every week of, hey, this is what you should be running in the 1500 this weekend, or this is the time that you should be, you know, tracking for in the 5k, whatever it was. Um, and so we would constantly just just reassess where we were at, and then what the goals were moving forward. 
Um, and then, you know, my junior year, when I won my first national title, then everything was preservation. It was, you can't lose again, you know, on the track, which, you know, we can talk about maybe further on the road here, but that's probably, you know, for me, that was when things got the realist because, you know, I, I was, I don't know how you want to say it. I was almost scared every day, you know, going to practice that I would get to nationals and, and, and not win, you know, not be able to come back and defend a title. It's crazy. I mean, it's 20 some years later and I still have dreams that I'm showing up to the national meet and I'm not ready to compete. I feel like that never leaves a runner of being unprepared. It's, it's crazy, man. I mean, it's literally like a, like several times a year, I will wake up from a dream where I was at, you know, I was at nationals and I'm literally doing like a warm up going, I know I'm going to get my ass kicked. <laughs> so maybe we can uh, exercise some of those demons here today in like a therapy session. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, in terms of like the, the nuts and bolts of your training, you know, how difficult or easy was the transition into college level running and training from high school? Mount wasn't really a high mileage program, you know, during my time there, we were more of a high mileage high school because philosophically that's where kind of Dennis and, and his coaching style sat. We were speed intensive at Mount Union. And so it did take me a little bit of time to transition from kind of long, slow distance to more of a, you know, more of an 80, you know, to a hundred mile weeks but with really crazy speed work on Tuesdays and then up-tempo stuff on Thursdays and then racing, you know, on Saturdays. And so I was moving fast, you know, three days a week in college, as opposed to high school, you know, you're, you're racing kind of during the week and on the weekend in high school. So you get kind of that same speed component, um, just not as intense and as structured as what you would see, you know, in college. The other piece at Mount is coach Holman was, was one of the kind of the early, inventors of and adopters of plyometric training. And I had a real hard time in the beginning kind of adapting to plyometrics and the, that kind of body weight training was completely foreign to me. And so I spent most of my, the first half of my freshman year, just really banged up and sore all the time, um, you know, until my body, you know, responded to it. And then we backed off actually the plyometrics in favor of, you know, heavier speed stuff on Tuesdays. I think a lot of freshmen can get overwhelmed by moving on to college and the kind of show that shows in that first semester, especially with cross country, just because they're not used to being away from home and having and you know more workload. What did the army bring to you that maybe didn't bring to other freshmen? I think just kind of that wake up of, you know, leaving this this kind of even in like a blue collar, you know, kind of place like Parma where I grew up you know, when you get to the military, your eyes are kind of open to some things that you never even really think about in normal day-to-day -day life, right? And so there's this just this toughening process that happens when you're going through boot camp. And so I actually went to basic training in between my junior and senior year of high school. So I had basic training done. I missed the first couple of weeks of my senior year, graduated literally the day after I graduated, I was back out in the army again. And, you know, until like the September, October timeline. And then I was, you know, right into Mount Union. I think just from that, from like a mental toughness and just kind of like knowing like you can just thrash the hell out of your body and, you know, your, the body will adapt, you know, to the things that you put it through sleep deprivation, calorie reduction, or, you know, caloric abstinence, you know, like, you know, not eating for, you know, more than one meal a day for a week at a time or two weeks at a time, you know, all that kind of stuff, I think helped, you know, by the time I got to college, I had been through, you know, all of my training and, and really it was almost like, okay, things are easier, you know, now because you don't have a drill sergeant, you know, a foot away from you screaming at you nonstop. Let's talk about the team you joined at Mount Union when you were, you know, walking on as a, as a freshman, what was the team dynamic like and who were the guys that you kind of looked up to on the team or mentors if, if you had any? Yeah. So, so Chuck Angle, uh, I don't know if you guys know that name. He goes by the marathon junkie, but he is the guy that I actually stayed with on my recruiting visit. And um, I just, I hit it off with Chuck instantly. Uh, sometimes you just meet people and you know, within a very short period of time, like, Hey, we're going to be friends. And uh, Chuck was that guy, you know, by that time he was a two or three time all American in the steeplechase. And so he was, you know, and he was a senior when I was a freshman. And so I got to compete with him for, for one season, you know, really looked to him as, as, you know, both a friend and kind of a mentor, you know, as, as an athlete, um, you know, simultaneous to that. And, and I, 
you know, going into these hall of fames or all of these things that, that have kind of honored my time at Mount union, I always try to, you know, circle back to the team that I joined. So I'm glad that that's the question because I wouldn't be talking to you guys today if it wasn't for the team of freshmen that I came in with. I mean, it just, it's hands down. When I got there, we had a kid by the name of Eugene Kornilov that you guys probably being D3 historians. I mean, the guy was a 10 time, 10 time NCAA runner up between the half mile and the 1500 meters. I mean, he lost to, uh, I saw Amherst for somebody he lost, you know, to Rob Mitchell. Uh, he lost to Carl Piranha at, you know, from Haverford. I mean, we're talking races, you know, indoor meets where these guys are duking it out running like, you know, mid three forties. And uh, I, I think one year I was sixth in the 1500 with a 351. A lot of years that might actually, you know, win the race or, you know, it, it puts you in contention. Right. But we just had a stellar, uh, we just had a stellar team, you know, guys like Eugene, we were more kind of rivals than we were friends, probably the first three years, there was a lot of, you know, competitive kind of, it was like Rocky four every day, because he was from Moscow, and he was this big 165 pound distance runner. And then there's, you know, me, I'm, I'm five, nine, five, 10, I raced at 120. Uh, when I was really in shape, I was racing at about 118. And so, you know, you, Eugene and I just battled it out literally every day. And then you had guys like Doug Brown and Jeff Geis. And, and then we had these role players, like a guy by, by the name of Brian Lusk, who is, you know, no, never going to be like the feature of an article or anything like that. But like these guys just brought it to practice, you know, every single day, you know, we're out there, you know, beating each other up. And so would have never, you know, it, you think about intervals on Tuesday, I was racing some of the top talent in the country, literally every Tuesday in my, you know, in my own facility. Um, you know, I got guys pushing me that, that, um, you know, that I wouldn't, wouldn't have otherwise had. And Doug Brown, for example, I mean, my, the year, I think I was third at nationals, he was second in, you know, cross country nationals, like to have those guys on your team training with you with the kind of mentality that they had. And, and it was a real, real special time in, in the middle to long distance kind of area for Mount Union track and field, you know, in cross country without a doubt. Hearing that, did that give you confidence then your first year freshman year, knowing that you're competing with top guys and you, you go out and win a conference meet your, your freshman year, you know, where did you get the confidence from? Was it from them or is it from internal knowing that you can go out and, and compete right away? I think a little bit of both. I mean, there's a funny story. So there was a bunch of guys from Otterbein. Otterbein was kind of like a middle distance powerhouse back in, in the, in the mid to late nineties. And so my grandmother lived in Twinsburg, Ohio, and I happened to be like at the public pool and somebody had mentioned that I was a high school runner. And one of the guys that was a lifeguard actually at this pool was in between his junior and senior year at Otterbine. And I, you know, was basically had made, made mention of the fact that I was going to Mount Union and, you know, I just, I thought D3 was the place for me to kind of go based on the fact that I hadn't been running for that long. Um, and I just made a reference to, I think that I could, you know, be a, a contender in the conference, you know, right out of the gate. Well, that got translated to Otterbein's team that, you know, I'm going to come in as a freshman and just, you know, win everything. And so um, if you think about when I started, I, I had indoor track and outdoor track before I had a cross country season. So, you know, most, most guys come in, you know, they have cross country, then indoor, then outdoor in that succession, you know, all four years while I had it indoor and outdoor that allowed me to kind of get into shape and really put me in a place where when I ran, you know, cross country, my freshman year, my freshman season, I, you know, yeah, I had a lot of confidence, I guess, from training, you know, with my teammates, but I also went into that race my freshman year. I think the guys at Otterbein had a good time of making fun of this kid from Parma that was going to go to Mount Union that thought he could be somebody in the OAC and they weren't going to, you know, let that happen. And uh, so I went into that race again, kind of like with that wrestler kind of fighter mentality of, I hope your jokes, you know, were funny for, you know, for a period of time, but you know, today's race day and uh, your rents do, you know, kind of a thing. And so we, we, uh, we had a good time that my, my freshman year, not only, you know, individually, that, that, was, that was kind of a fluke how I won that race, but, you know, also as a team, um, it, was, it was good to go in and, and beat up on Otterbahn. I'm always really interested, like, in the competitive mindset, a lot of people either choose or come at it from a, you know, place of confidence or from a place of fear in terms of how they approach 
you know, high achieving in sports. And you kind of talked about it a little bit, like later in your career, you were, you were almost, you know, training and racing from a point of fear because you didn't want to ever backslide from, from what you had achieved early in your college career. Were you racing more on the side of confidence or was there still that element of like, you know, fear of disappointing yourself? You know, I think it was my style in high school is to front run, you know, and, and you kind of make yourself a target when you do that. But if you, if you have conversations with guys that, that take it out from kind of start to finish, you always feel something on your shoulder that a lot of times really isn't there. And so, you know, I think, no, I think it, it's one of those things where, you know, you're kind of running scared, right? Like you're confident, like, you know, like, you know, for me, you know, running, I, I, I always wanted to, I was never like a, in the pack guy. It was just kind of like, I think I can win this, you know, all the time, but also putting yourself kind of up front, knowing that the, the bullseye is on your back you know, there is an element of, of kind of fear, you know, there, because you just don't know when, when you're going to get past or somebody's going to pull up and you're going to even be able to go with them or not. And so I think it was a mix of both, really. It probably also depended on what I was going into that particular weekend. If I was just running like a, you know, an OAC meet, you know, my junior or senior year in indoor or outdoor, I mean, there's not really, for me, that was more like mental warfare of just the other, you know, people in the conference and just kind of like, they know you're a multi-time All-American or you're multi-time national champ at that point. And so it's almost like the race is over, you know, before it begins, there's not a, there wasn't a lot of guys in the OAC at that time that would come, you know, to the line, like, you know, as viable kind of challengers. Um, that was more like on the national stage or we traveled to bigger D1 meets a lot at the bigger races. I was, I was a lot more probably scared and, and nervous than I let on more on kind of like the local conference level. There was definitely, I was overconfident, uh, I think is, is probably the easiest way to say it again. I don't, I don't know outside of Mount Union during that time that, that, uh, there was a lot of, a, a lot of guys that, you know, were, were lining up to, to, to get to know me. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, I might've been one of the more hated guys, uh, guys around. And I, I think when I look back, especially like the first few years after I graduated, I almost wish I would have taken a little bit of a different approach during that period. But I, I mean, some of that's just maturity and, you know, it was just kind of the way things played out. What goes into OAC rivalries? I know it's, they're still present to this day. They act like they're, you know, friends with each other, but you know, there's some either mutual respect or mutual disdain, but they put on a front when they see each other. What is the OAC to people who aren't a part of the OAC? I mean, it's competitive. Yeah. Um, I I'm, I'm just, as you're asking that, I'm trying to think back. I mean, for, for our group of guys, you know, between Kornilov, myself, Brown, uh, Doug Brown, Jeff Geis, you know, so that's kind of like your, you know, your big four, I don't think we had very many friends in the conference at all. Uh, I think it was all rivalry. I mean, I, I know Doug had a couple of friends down at Otterbein, you know, that ended up being pretty cool guys. We had some guys in other events at, at uh, BW uh, that, that I was friendly with. Um, just John Carroll was always a rival, rivalry with Mount Union. Um, it's that way in football to this day. It, you know, BW, same thing. Uh, Ohio Northern was kind of another one. They were like sprint heavy when we were distance heavy. So that was kind of a cool offset, you know, like they would just come in and clean house in the sprints and then we'd get on the track and just anything from like, you know, 800 meters and up it's, you know, it's kind of over, but no, it's, it's a, it's a cool, you know, it's a really competitive atmosphere. I don't think it was never, you know, there was never any kind of like war of words or any of that kind of stuff too, too much talking that went on, uh, you know, from time to time we, we were home in the way Holman had us coached is, I mean, we were just, we just showed up, we did our thing, we ran and then we would leave, you know, I mean, it wasn't like a whole lot of, you know, he's not a big like notoriety guy. He doesn't like being recognized that much for, you know, his coaching abilities or any of that kind of, it didn't surprise me at all that he didn't show up to his M, M club induction on Friday. He blamed COVID, but I'm sure it just, he just, he just, he's not that guy. And so that's kind of how we were, you know, we went in and, and, and we were so focused for probably three years, you know, after my freshman year, I would say sophomore, junior and senior year, all we cared about was trying to win a national championship in either cross country 
our, or indoor or outdoor track that that's all we really thought about, you know, and, and it, it but we did leading up to, to conference week, um, conferences were a big deal, you know, winning, winning conference, you know, that was what Homan referred to as the championship part of the season. Um, that was, that was real. I mean, we had a good two, two, three solid weeks leading up to conference that, that it would be talked about. And then the week of conference, there was definitely a different tone to practice. There was a different feel, you know, in the field house, you know, during indoor, there was a different feel outdoor, you know, on the track, um, when it came around to conference and then, you know, immediately after conference, it was, there was no celebration because it was okay. We've got, you know, two weeks to prep for nationals. And so it was just, it was always all business until it wasn't, you know, you mentioned the big goal of the program was to win a team championship in either cross country or track your freshman year, the team finishes 16th. You're the top runner your sophomore year. You know, you had to have been thinking this was a good chance for the team to win a national title, but you have, you know, an individual performance, which, uh, you know, did, did not did not reflect your abilities. You end up finishing 169th. Um, what do you remember of that day? Oh man, um, you know, you asked the question earlier on about being, you know, running kind of confident or running scared. I, I went into that race, um, you know, that would have been as a two-time OAC champ, and probably the the first up up to that point. I don't ever really remember going into a race thinking about thinking so much about points or time or position or, you know, like it was just everything was so focused on, Hey, this is what we can do. And this is what we can be. And I, I like talking about this when I, when I talk to athletes and, you know, there's a lot of speaking type stuff that I would do, like after I first graduated and, you know, people focus on, on the, you know, the national championships or the all American titles, probably one of the most defining races of my career was that day because, you know, I, I knew exactly what it felt like, you know, for the first time to go into something, you know, with really high expectations and, you know, to just fall completely on my face, you know, flat. And I just remember, you know, obviously being really upset, you know, disappointed in myself, uh, you know, for the way that I performed in individually, the way I let the team down. Uh, we did not have a very good race as a team that day. Uh, a, a lot, most of the guys, I think, underperformed that was a hard one. Um, but the cool thing is, is what, and, and where I kind of always end talks is, is what came from, you know, that day. Um, sometimes you have to fall down, you know, and, and get knocked down in order to kind of come back, you know, strong. And, and that was, that was kind of what that day was, was all about. And I, I would think about that feeling, you know, the, the bus ride back, I, I forget where we were, Indiana, someplace maybe, because we never flew anywhere. We always drove. And so it was a really long, quiet drive back. Nobody was really talking. Everybody was in, you know, pretty poor spirits. And I just remembered, you know, thinking like, hold on to this moment for training, you know, hold on to this moment as I go into future races, because this is exactly what, this is why you train for these things to not happen. And so to have, you know, that experience was, was, was good. And then it, you know, it really didn't happen again until my senior year in cross, you know, finishing eighth. I think that's what we said earlier, right? Eighth place somewhere in that, that range, you know, I had no business losing that race. I mean, if you look back to, two back-to-back 10,000 meter titles, you know, four, you know, titles between the 5k indoor and outdoor, nobody really in the race that had ever, you know, been within 30 seconds of me, you know, in any, any kind of distance event. And again, just for whatever reason, with it, you know, at the half, half mile or so left to go, I just, I just shut down. And I mean, it's, it's shocking that I even took, you know, eighth place, but it seemed like all my bad races were on cross country courses. So maybe cross just that time of the year as light of a uh, light of a runner as I was and, and, you know, little body fat that I had, I think it definitely was an equalizer for me because early in the cross country season, when it was warm outside, you know, under good conditions, you know, I could really go, but as the season kind of drug out and got cold, you know, you get to those later stages, it's just, it's a, it's a disaster, you know, or was a disaster for me. When you have a bad race like that, what are some tactics or coping mechanisms you use to turn it into a positive that, you know, impacted your rest of your career in a positive rather than, you know, dwelling on the negatives from it? I mean, I think it's just the feeling, you know, I mean, when you talk to people that are, you know, highly competitive, you know, that know what, kind of work ethic they need to put into, you know, competing at certain levels. 
to do all that work and, and to end up in that place, the feeling is just, it's like nothing I can describe. I mean, it, it's just, it's kind of this, just this internal, you know, disappointment and, and just, I don't know, man, it's just like, it's just a really down kind of depressing, you know, feeling. And so for me, it was more or less just knowing that if you're doing the work and we used to say this all the time, kind of, you know, you're doing the work during the week and you're collecting your paycheck on the weekend. Right. You're, you know, and, and so I think it, you know, it, it kind of shaped the rest of my career, that race, because it was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to go into a race again and let this, this fear of not performing or let this kind of mental side creep in that takes away, you know, your actual ability. Because again, in, in both of those races, you know, my sophomore year, my senior year, the conditioning was there, the training was there, everything, it was all mental, you know? And, and so I think you, know, you just try to get this toughness in your head, you know, to, Hey, I'm doing all the work, you know, that going into the weekend and going into race day, whatever it is, you know, that's just, that's when you go and collect your paycheck. That's, and, and so I think it's just helping shape that kind of, that, that kind of mentality of going in and, and not feeling, you know, that disappointment, um, but also how good it feels, you know, to do the work and then to see, you know, you know, to see the, the outcome. I mean, if, if, if I ran well somewhere and got beat, you know, I didn't feel the same way as if I went somewhere and just, you know, pissed on my leg that's just a really bad, you know, just a bad feeling. And, and, you know, we, we train to be better than that. And so I think that that's probably the key takeaway is just to, to stay out of that place and to, to know and to realize that, Hey, if I can do this on Sunday, if I can do this on Monday, if I can come in and hand in an awesome interval performance on Tuesday, then I can do it on the weekend. And it doesn't matter who's there or how big the race is or any of that kind of stuff. It's the ability to, you know, to do it. And so I think that's what kind of came out of it. It was, you know, assessing like, how did this happen? Why did it happen? And then how do we prevent that from, from happening again? And, you know, as we stick with cross country, we see that you, you know, from sophomore to junior year, you really did turn it around both you and the team dramatically improved on the year prior you finished on the podium in third the team finished in a very close second what what did it take leading into that season you know from a team mentality standpoint to be like okay we're, we're not the team that was 12th like we're we're a team that can win yeah you know we talked a lot um you know you guys know you're running together you're training together you know living together so you're almost always together and so we just decided, I think, after, you know, after that nationals and kind of going into what would have been everybody's senior year and my junior year, that th this was our time. And, you know, Doug Brown was like a man possessed. I mean, he went home, you know, that summer in between our senior year. And it did, I don't think the kid did anything but run and sleep, you know, and eat right. And Jeff Geist did the same thing. And excuse me, Eugene Kornilov did the same thing. Um, I kind of, I was kind of a, one of those rare people that could kind of dick around a little bit in the summer. I didn't really put like this hard base work or anything. It was like more of a recovery time for me to just kind of be a normal college kid. So I always came into the season kind of, you know, the least conditioned out of everybody. And so when these guys came in our, you know, their senior year, my junior year, I was like, Oh God, <laughs> these dudes are not playing around. Like, you know, three of the best kids in the conference are on my team and we could go one, two, three, four at OACs. Like literally like we were, you know, we, the only thing we were lacking was a fifth man, you know, that year. So I think everybody just used the disappointment and kind of everybody knew we had some, some studs. It was just a matter of kind of, getting it together, you know, at that time of the year and for cross country, I, I still, to this day, we are at Franklin park, the, the year that uh, we finished second to, I think, Wisconsin lacrosse. And I mean, we had four runners, I think in the top 10 and finished second place by one point, we showed up, you know, that day, that was, that was kind of redemption. And that was probably one of the best feelings I've ever had you know, from like a team perspective was just everybody with the exception of kind of like our fifth man um, didn't have a really good race. I think he was like 99th and, and just didn't have a good day. But outside of that, I mean, I, I remember at like the three mile mark or something like that, we were one, two, three, four, I think. And then there was, you know, the fifth guy was maybe one of lacrosse's, you know, guys. And so I just remember looking over at that mile three going, holy cow, you had a wall of Mount Union guys. That was really pretty, pretty cool. I wish somebody had photos of that actually. 
As I say, that would be great to, to use for the social media posts. You know, as a top four runs super well, how do you lift up your teammate who, you know, potentially fell short for a team title that day? You guys still got second, which is great. You get a team trophy, but ultimately you're missing the team prize by a few points. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, we were, we were probably really hard, you know, our fifth man, I think at the time was either a freshman or a sophomore. And, you know, I, I don't, there wasn't a, wasn't a lot said other than we can't believe, you know, like you pick this race to kind of have a, you know, have a dud, you know, all you got to do is really just show up kind of a thing and it didn't happen. And, and so I don't, we didn't talk a lot about it. There was never really any finger pointing. I think it was more or less like we didn't talk about it, nor did we really talk to him <laughs> you know, too much. And so it was, you know, it, like looking back on it now, we were, you know, it's probably not what I would want, you know, like my daughter to be in a, in a teammate, you know, like if I'm, if I'm, you know, teaching her the right way. So in terms of lifting, and I don't think there was much of that because all of the guys were graduating except for me. So at that point, that was kind of like their last hurrah. There was no going back. And it was more or less like, man, you just cost me a national championship by, you know, by, by being a bitch today. Another reason probably why I didn't go into coaching is you can tell talking to me. Like, <laughs> you know, Holman was one of those guys that he was the last of the Mohicans, man. Like I get asked all the time, like, you know, why didn't you go into coaching or, you know, do this? And I'm like, I would have been fired, you know, like in my first or second year, there's just no way. Um, and especially the way things are going today, it's like, you know, you can't, offend anybody and do whatever. I mean, if, if you were, if you were easily offended, then Mount Union was not the place for you, you know, in the seventies, eighties or nineties, probably well into like 2010 is when I think Homan hung it up. And I, I always, I always kind of, when he would call me, I'd always be like, Oh no, here it comes. Like he said, he said the wrong thing and they had to let him go. <laughs> um, but uh, we weren't like, we weren't that, that pick me up kind of team. It was, you know, get in here, you know what your role is, you know what your expectations are here, do your job. And if you can't, we're going to go recruit somebody that can. And, and that, you know, that was kind of the way I, I think our fifth man that year got lucky because, you know, three of the top guys were all graduating. And so we knew we didn't have a chance, you know, the next year, you know, my senior year across, it was really just me. I mean, we didn't have that strong of a team you know, and, and we definitely didn't have the caliber of runners to back up what we were losing. How did you cope with that idea that you were going to lose those teammates after that season? I mean, they must have been huge for you just as friends, but also in training. Did it kind of feel like the end of the team era a little bit after they graduated your junior year? That's a great question. It really did. You know, we had we had all of our seasons in track together. My, my senior year in cross country just felt you know, we had a really young team after those guys left. And it, it, it was like, um, you know, I, <laughs> I felt kind of like uh, on the, on the day, you know, the week to week stuff, the, just the normal kind of meets before you get into kind of like the championship part of the season, I just felt really disconnected. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I got along with everybody on my team. I think I was a good teammate, you know, I was probably, if anything, I was probably hard on the guys, but I just, it was really like coach Holman and I, you know what I mean? Like when I, when I think about my senior year now, you know, it was just, it was, it was kind of lonely actually, you know, I'd go to the races, you know, do my thing. And then I would, you know, I'd just go back to, to campus and, and, and hang out. Um, but there was definitely, you know, definitely missed, you know, having those guys both, both on, you know, competition days, but more importantly for training, you know, it was, it was tough not having them around. Um, luckily Brownie hung out for a while and, and kind of stayed, um, even though he was, you know, like they were out of eligibility, he was coaching at that time. So there was guys coming back and training. I was able to keep my training, you know, up, but it, it wasn't the same. I mean, it, it was, you know, not having that group of guys around you. Um, you definitely feel it. Did that first national title, your junior year in the 5k, did that kind of give you that spark you needed to, keep moving, even though you knew you'd be alone your senior year. I mean, you end up winning three titles your junior year, um, both combined with indoor and outdoor. So it had to be, you know, a major impact for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the greatest, it's the greatest feeling in the, in, in the world, you know, for me at, at that time, there was, there was nothing better. Um, you know, but it was, it, it's kind of like that blessing and curse, right? Like, you, you know, you, you, you win, you have that kind of success, and then, you know, again, we, we sit down and we start assessing that summer, like what is, what is, you know, senior year look like. And it was, you know, it was intimidating because, you know, you know, your coach who, who basically for me, 
you know, coach Holman was, was not only my coach, but he was like a father figure for me. You know, I mean, I, I literally spent a lot of my free time in his office, just talking, you know, it, it through things. And, and, you know, he, again, not a warm, fuzzy guy. It was, you know, David, you realize that every kid in the country that runs your events, like you're the target, like, and, and we would talk about that all the time. And, uh, and I, and I, I mean, I, I didn't hate it, you know, but I didn't love it either. And you, you know, you're, that's the motivator. When you go to nationals and people start showing up and getting excited because they're going to see you lose, that's a cool thing to be in that position. But it's also, it's also, an, it's, it's not the easiest thing to digest, right? I mean, think about that. Like when Matt Brill and Ambo Body, these are two like D3 kind of legendary guys. They were the national champs before me. They both had a year of eligibility left. So my senior year, they come out for their last year of eligibility and outdoor track. You've got, you know, myself at that point, I would have been probably a five-time national champion. You've got Matt Brill, who was probably a four or five or a six time. And you have Ambo Body, who is probably the same. And I mean, these, these teams travel in, I mean, you're talking about North central, I mean, they bring freaking the whole school comes out to watch these guys. And, you know, Augustana was kind of the same way. I mean, I remember going into nationals my, my senior year and every single person I walked past was like, your time's up, you know, you're, you're third at best, you know, these are the real national champs. You just got, you know, lucky, you know, can you imagine like you got five titles under your belt and people are telling you that, that you're, you're lucky, you know, and, and that now is the time for, you know, for you to, to, to be exposed and, you know, as an athlete, I mean, again, I was a cocky, you know, confident guy, but in the back of my head, I'm going, yeah. And I remember watching Matt and Ambo run, you know, when I was, when I was a freshman, I mean, these guys were, I mean, they were unbelievable and I didn't look at myself, you know, the way that I looked at them at at that time, that's probably what kept me hungry, but yeah, I mean, it was very much, you know, you have that success and then, then it becomes, okay, I've got to pull my teammates up because we're still in the hunt, you know, for team titles, or we're still trying to win some championships here or place as high as we can. But, you know, for me, the motivation was, I just did not want to go back to nationals, you know, my, my senior year and walk away with anything other than, you know, a victory. And so um, that was really all the motivation I needed, you know, away from having the guys. And then again, if I walk, if, if I came out of practice on a Tuesday and I didn't have crutches, you know, then it wasn't a good practice. Right. I mean, we, we, we literally killed ourselves on Tuesdays. And so for me, you know, when, when I kind of lost some of my teammates that, that I had leaned on for so long, um, I just really depended on, on those workouts to tell me that I was where I needed to be. This is backtracking a little bit, but what was it like racing Carl Piranha, the first division three athlete to break four in the mile? He's, We've kind of like put out some feelers to try to get him on the podcast. He's, he's kind of elusive. Carl that I remember, it's been a lot of years. If you guys get, if you guys do get into contact with him, put me in contact with him because he is elusive and he's, I've reached out to Ambo through the years. I know Matt Brill a little bit. I know Tony Rizzo, Patrick Rizzo's older brother. We competed together. Tony's a great guy, man. Carl just, the kid was just a, he's just a rare, I mean, amongst champions, there was Carl. I mean, the guy just had a gear no matter where he was in the race to, to get to the line before you. My sophomore year, well, it would have been my fresh, uh, my freshman, no, my sophomore year of indoor track, I think it was, um, I took second to him in the 15 uh, up at Smith. And when I pulled up on him, it was the first time in my, in my running career when I pulled up on somebody on the straight finishing a race, and I was a pretty good kicker. I pulled up next to him and I remember thinking like, all right, man, I'm, I'm about to win this. And he literally just looked over like, Oh, are you really going to make me work? And it was just, I mean, he just separated. I mean, we're talking maybe 40 yards or, you know, meters until the finish. And I mean, he just basically put a body on me and I'm like, how did he do that? I mean, he literally, you'd watch Carl. He had kind of this weird stride as it was, but he would just tuck into it and go. And, and he, he could do that against pretty much anybody. Um, in fact, it was really kind of cool watching him at the Olympic trials, you know, race. And, you know, that's when I kind of started to figure out like, holy cow, like there's this whole nother level, you know, uh, above college where these guys, you know, can really turn it on. And Carl was that guy. I mean, he was just, and an awesome, 
awesome dude. I mean, he was super quiet, very humble. You know, he's like a businessman. He'd come in, he'd do his, do his thing. And, and, you know, he'd get out of Dodge. Didn't like the spotlight, but man, hell of an athlete, like just a hell of an athlete mentally um, and physically as tough as anybody I've ever raced. Going off of that and what you said about Matt Brill and the other Augustana North Central guys, when did you start viewing yourself as you viewed them? I think you mentioned that you saw them in a different light than you saw yourself. So when did you see yourself in that light? Oh man, I, uh, I got inducted into my high school hall of fame, I think in like 2007, maybe it was probably right around then you have teammates that kind of say some things and, you know, you, you, you get recognized, but then, you know, I graduated, I had kind of a short, you know, stint as a pro and, and then I was done and I didn't really think about it for a long time. And then when I started kind of getting, you know, recognized. So I, I think, you know, probably when I got inducted into my high school's hall of fame and then back, I think it was 2014 or 15 that I got inducted in the, the uh, cross country and, and track and field uh, hall. That was really special. I sat next to Dave Waddle. He was actually who introduced me, you know, when I, uh, he's like, looks over and he was like, Hey man, huge fan of your career and this and that. And I'm like sitting there and I'm going like, were you talking to me? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I loved watching you compete. And, you know, and I, and I was like, Oh, did you see me racing? He's like, Oh, I saw a bunch of your races and you know, I'm kind of a junkie for college cross and track and blah, blah, blah. And so that was, that kind of hit me like that weekend of, you know, going through the ceremony and all that stuff is, is probably when I started, it was like a joke. We would go to meets when it was all of us still kind of there and we would be on these warm up runs and kids from other schools would kind of tack on and the warm up. you see people are, you know, you're just, everybody's out getting their warm up in kind of at the same time. And so people would see the Mount union stuff and they'd come run with us and we'd just kind of be doing our thing. And then, then almost always somebody would be like, Hey, is Cooper here? And you know, they would they, like, we would just all look at each other and kind of laugh and like, nah, he doesn't, he takes his own van here, you know, like, or they helicopter him in right before the race or whatever. And these guys would be like, really? And, and then, you know, it's like, we'd get like a half mile down the road and I'd be like, Hey, I'm, I'm David Cooper. And they would, you know, and they'd be like, Oh man, I, I thought you were, I thought you were going to be a lot bigger than, that, than you are. Or like, you know, it was always like some level of disappointment, you know, and they would actually like see it or register. So I, there was hints of it, you know, here and there, but I, I never really, when I was competing, I was just so focused on winning and kind of like whatever the next goal was that we set that I didn't, I didn't really think about it too much. I just, it was, it was literally one week at a time. You have, you know, what on paper is kind of a dream senior track campaign. You win everything four national championships from the 1500 up to the 10 K when you kind of put the wraps on your collegiate career after that kind of season, what, what were the emotions, you know, hanging up the shoes in the locker for the last time, man. Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it was a relief. Like I remember because Matt and Ambo were, were there because everybody showed up to, to watch me lose potentially. It, it was, it was, there was this, this, this relief, um, you know, and, and just like, Holy cow, like we did it, you know, and it, and, 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 and it's done. It wasn't until probably a little after, you know, like the, I, maybe like the first practice back when it was like, oh God, you know, what do I do? What am I going to do now? You know what I mean? Because so much of, you know, what I, what I was working towards and what I was doing kind of day in and day out was tied to, you know, something um, for that to kind of go away. And now it was, you know, am I going to get a deal? You know, am I going to be able to run after that was pretty tough. And, and, you know, when you leave campus, you know, when you're there in your training, you know, Mount's a small school, right? Everybody knows who you are and, and it's a great community of support. And Mount has always been this real special place, no matter who you see on campus or what they do, everybody is very supportive and, you know, gets along for the, for the most part to kind of graduate have the opportunity to run at the next level like I did, but then just kind of move out into an apartment, get kind of like a pseudo full-time job and train. Like you're just kind of thrown out in the real world and people would look at me and they'd be like, man, that dude looks like he needs to eat a cheeseburger or something. Like they didn't have any idea that, that I was training or what I was training for or any of that kind of stuff. And so 
that, that was really odd to me, you know, and it, that was kind of like the real disappointing side of, you know, Hey, if you're going to continue to run at that time after college, there wasn't the type of outlets to do that. Like there are now. So thank God for American distance running that that changed because, you know, they just, the programs were there, but they were really, you know, those were for, you know, guys like, you know, Matt Centrowitz or, you know, like it was, you know, you know, a handful of guys that would get, you know, pulled into these programs. You take a guy like Nick Simmons or, you know, some of the other guys that have come out of, you know, D3 or D1 or D2. Nowadays, there's programs and, you know, outlets for them to kind of go and compete on a higher level. It's, it's just more readily accessible. For me, there was like nothing. And so it almost just kind of felt like from the beginning of my professional career, like from day one, it just kind of felt like, well, this is just the beginning of the end kind of a thing. Um, and that was, that was, you know, a little bit of a downer, but I was also kind of taking off professionally at that time. And so, you know, I looked at all the training that goes into being a good runner, what I could get from that, even if I was a pro at the top level versus, you know, what I do, you know, as a professional in the workforce, for me, it was a pretty easy decision to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make a switch here. What were some of the highlights of your professional career or was it a pretty, pretty much just an awakening process of realizing that it wasn't for you? There's a couple, I mean, there's a couple highlights. I mean, we, there was this, there's this really cool race. I don't know if they do it anymore, um, but there was a really cool race down in West Virginia. Uh, they called it the big boy, the big boy mile. It was just downhill, you know, downhill mile that a bunch of, you know, people would show up to. I ran 346, like low 346 in that race. And, uh, there was a couple guys from new balance that were part of the WCAP program. They were army guys. And so it was cool to meet them and, and hang out. And, and, and they were big, like they were all Americans in D one. Uh, I think one of the guys went to Auburn or whatever. And so going down there and winning that was, 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 was pretty cool. You know, being a, a Cleveland guy, kind of born and raised, I, I was the top American at the, the CVS 10 K one year, the cool part of that story. And I'm trying to think of the guy's name, Maybe it was El Garouge, you know, one of like, one of my like mile, like idols was, was coming off an injury and he had, he had stepped up into kind of the 10 K and even into the marathon stuff. I think in that race, I took like 10th, but I was the first American first Ohioan. Um, and so being a local guy from Cleveland, that was kind of cool. Cause uh, you know, the Kenyan team was there and, you know, I mean, it was like, you know, just guys that, you know, are running really just you know, lightning fast 10 Ks, but to be able to go and, and perform in uniform, you know, outside of college in my hometown, there was great prize money, you know, for, for, for that as well. So it was kind of like the first time I had a cool paycheck from running. And so that was, that was kind of a unique experience, but from, from there, I mean, it was, it, it became kind of not that much different from, you know, competing, you know, in the big races in college where you guys know, I mean, it's the D3 guy or two, it's D1 guys, and then this factory guys. And it just, you're in, you know, you're in the A heat or the B heat or the one heat or the two heat, whatever it is. And so it just kind of, I don't know, for me, it was like, if I'm not going to get sucked up into some, like, if I, like, if somebody would have contacted me at that time and said, Hey, we want you to come live and train out West with this group of guys, or we want you to do, you know, these things that's the only thing I guess I look back on now and say, man, what would I have been able to do if that call would have come, but it didn't. And, you know, again, that one of the downsides of, I think, you know, coach Homan and, and Mount union at that time was Mount union is really focused on Mount union, you know, and coach Homan was really focused on, you know, his responsibilities at Mount union. He wasn't one of those coaches that, you know, was going to go the extra mile in contacting places or promoting or, you know, putting some type of campaign together to say, Hey, let's get David into this Olympic development program or whatever. There was none of that. And so that's the only thing, I guess, when I look back, it's like, man, it would have been cool if I would have got sucked into something like that, you know, to see what I actually could have run if I would have got in with another group of kind of next level guys and, and lived like that for a couple of years, because on paper, like you mentioned, it was a stellar career and I, and I'm proud of all of it, you know, but you get into these conversations about, well, you were a national champion and you only ran 1437, you know, like people that don't understand that nationals is not the time to run fast nationals is the time to win, you know, and, and strategy, you know, comes into play. It's hard to tell somebody that doesn't run track and field what it's like to win a 1500 meters at the national level and have 40 minutes to recover and then co defend your title in the 5k against guys that are fresh and hate you. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, I do think that it, it would have been cool, you know, to have that opportunity. And I still think that, 
in my head, I still think that I was probably a sub 340 guy in the 15. I just, you know, and, and I think you could say that, you know, and, and go, yeah, that's, that's realistic, you know, based on, I mean, I ran 345 flat as a sophomore, you know, and I really wasn't even training for the race. And so it would have been cool to see what that would have, you know, in, in, entailed or turned out to be, but man, the last 25 years have been near as picture perfect as my, my last couple of years of track at Mount Union, just in a different arena. And so it all worked out, I guess. Hey, talent doesn't go away. We might give give you six months, get you in a pair of spikes. We might see a 339. <laughs> I wear baggy clothes for a reason, my man. I, I, I raised that 120. I walk around at about 180 now. So I'm not, I'm not running anywhere fast these days. The dragonflies can make anyone, anyone fast these days with yeah. that new technology. There you go. Yeah. What, one thing I want to leave you on, or I guess ask you as we begin to start, you know, closing up here that sophomore year cross country race where you finished 169th, you look back at it. That was the last time you weren't either an all American or a national champion after that race you went on. And so had you have been an all American that day, would you have had to have the same career? Do you think, or was that the day you needed to have to have the career that you had? Look, when, when I first started at Mount Union, there's a couple of things. That race was definitely one of those days. When I first got out of the Army and I started at Mount, there was a couple of kids from my high school that went to Mount Union to play football. And one of the guys had, had been at Mount the full semester that I was still away in the Army. And I came in and, and he was nice enough to kind of introduce me to all these guys that ended up being legends in Mount Union football. And the very first home meet we had was against Akron. And so my buddy from high school tells everybody, you got to come watch this kid run. He's amazing. Well, I came in and out of the army, completely out of shape. It was my first collegiate race. I finished, I, it was, we ran the indoor 1500 and I want to say I ran like 423 <laughs> and, and like watching all of these guys, you know, that were like the big football hero kind of guys joking with my buddy about what a dud you know his boy was it was like hey your boy might have been good in high school but he sucks here <laughs> and so I that like got that kind of stuck you know like hey I gotta, gotta get my head out of my ass and start training and then you know yeah I, I started to kind of see and taste some success but then you know really had that that pretty colossal failure at the national meet like that it definitely hurt in a way that I thought about it pretty much weekly, you know, like this is how easy it can happen. And this is what it feels like. And it, it sounds funny to even hear myself saying this right now, or somebody kind of on the outside is listening to this going really, I mean, do you really think about that race that much, but you do, you know what I mean? Especially I mean, if you're used to being, it's not like I had to win every race, you know, and I didn't, I never lost that badly, you know, fallen flatter. And it was just, it was literally, it was just such a, emotional kind of just downer that you, you do, you think about it and, and you, you're kind of born, you know, out of that day, it, you know, just kind of moving forward saying, look, I, I can't let that happen again. Cause I know, you know, how it, how it feels. Yeah. A, a great example, my junior year, and we don't talk about this in, in some of these things enough. So Ohio, I, and I don't know what other states do, but Ohio has the all Ohio cross country meet. Every college in the state runs at the same exact time. It's a big deal in Ohio. I was the first D3 guy ever to win the all Ohio in, in cross country. And that was as a junior. I came back the next year. I got second. I, I, I ran a hell of a race and I lost to a guy who was, you know, was Josh Ritchie, Josh Ritchie from Ohio U. Like that didn't hurt that bad. You know what I mean? Because I ran really well and I lost to a guy that was just, it's like losing to Carl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'll lose to Carl Pranya, you know, any, any day. I still think if I raced him 10 times, I could get him once or twice. I hope, but you know, it, having that big failure like that, you look back on it. I think it, it powers you through the, the hard workouts, the long training days, you know, and, you know, definitely something I would walk through in my mind before I raced every time after that to, to kind of program myself, not to, not to allow that to happen again. We know you didn't go into coaching, but here's your chance. Current NCAA athletes are heading into their championship season, conference, regionals, nationals. What advice do you have to these guys and girls who are uh, gearing up for, you know, the most important parts of their season? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just like we talked about earlier. I mean, this is, this is the championship 
part of the season, you know, and this is where everybody separates himself. So I, I would say that, you know, when you're thinking about everything that goes into preparation, everything that got, you know, you to the, the big race, it's paycheck time, right? Like, and I think you have to go into these, these races with that fighter, you know, type mentality, you have to go into these races with that chip on your shoulder, you know, being convinced that nobody can beat you or be better than you on that particular day. And, you know, if, if, if you think about it, you have four big races like that in a career, right? You know, four nationals, that's all you get. And so, you know, like you get maybe one or two redos if you're lucky, like, you know, like me, but, but, you know, it's, it's time to go out there and collect. And so you'll, you'll know in your head, if you've done the work, you know, to get to where you need to be in it. And if you're the person that deserves it, the, the rest is all mental, you know, and just going out there and, and, and in my mind, taking what's yours. So, you know, go out there and get it and, and leave your mark and your legacy in the books. Cause once it's done, it, they can't take it away, you know, but uh, you can't, you can't do it again. So you got to go after it. That might be the phrase for championship season. It's, it's paycheck time. David, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us about your career at Mount Union. And you even, uh, as you mentioned, are Cleveland, you're from Cleveland, Cleveland Browns fan. They're playing right now. So thanks for interrupting your Sunday to spend it with us. Absolutely. Well, the Ravens got to win in first. And so now we just got to hope that the Brownies can pull it off, but it was a pleasure meeting you guys. And, and thanks for having me. It's, it's cool to know that, uh, there's still some relevancy uh, to all of this, all these years later, my wife's been making fun of me since I told her I was going to do this. She's like, nobody wants to hear about you. So uh, thanks for making me feel uh, important, even if it was just for an hour. So I appreciate it. All right. That's it for this episode. Thank you, David for his time today and being so gracious, walking us through his running career. We really enjoyed it. I think there's a lot of great takeaways from this episode. As we mentioned at the top of the episode, there are a variety of ways for you to support D3 Glory Days. The biggest thing you can do is just help spread the word. On Apple Podcasts right now, we are at 97 reviews, so three away from 100. If you haven't reviewed us yet on Apple, we're three away from 100. We'd really appreciate you taking some time to do that now. That's all I'm going to ask of you for the time being. But until next time, here's to the glory days.